0: Our current evening series is, it's, we're calling it a quest for holiness. Quest for holiness. What do we mean by that? And, and what is, how does that connect with the Ten Commandments? Well, as we're going through this series, we certainly don't mean follow these ten steps and you'll be holy. Follow these ten steps and you'll be saved. This is not ten easy steps to health and happiness. We do mean by quest for holiness, that the Christian life is an adventure and the Christian life is an exciting journey. We do mean, by quest for holiness, sanctification, becoming more holy, that transformation that we talked about this morning in the message, we do mean all of those things are a process and that God's people are called to be actively engaged in it and pursuing it. Holiness. The quest and pursuit starts with what that introduction of the Ten Commandments tells us salvation is from God. I am the Lord your God. It's in Jesus. He sent Jesus to set us free, to make us holy and righteous, and He gives us the Ten Commandments as the path to living for Him. The commandments cover all the different areas of our lives. Every different area you could possibly think of, from our possessions to our worship to our speech to our family to our sexuality, they give us the full range of human life and tell us how to live for Jesus in each one. Sixth Commandment is a very short one, you shall not murder, and it's very far-reaching. We're going to focus in tonight. We can't cover everything. It's going to be a little bit of an overview, seeing that. This commandment is especially about life. It's about life. First, the sixth commandment is about reverence for all life. The full biblical picture tells us that holy living, living for the Lord, involves reverence for all life. It doesn't say it directly, and you shall not murder, but this commandment is certainly focused on human life. And the reason we know that is because Commandments 5 through 10 are all direct us to how we are to live in connection with other people. But what about other life? There's more than human life around us. Plant life, animal life. We may not murder a person because a person is a creature of God, but plants and animals are creatures of God too, aren't they? And any say or rule that we have over other life on this planet, it's not just naturally given to us. It doesn't come to us out of some evolutionary process. But it's a reign, it's a rule that's granted human beings by the sovereign one, by the creator. God gave man permission to eat plants and the fruit of the trees, Genesis 1 29 and 30. He gives us permission to eat the meat of animals, Genesis 9 3. The Creator of life grants us the okay to do these things. It's not some inherent right. And very clearly, God cares for people, of course, but God also cares for every living thing. Take a look at Psalm 104. Matthew 6, 26 through 30. They all receive his attention along with the attention he gives mankind. There are many examples of this. We could point to Jonah 4, 11, where we see that God cared even about the animals of Nineveh. And in Exodus 23 we read that if your donkey stumbled under its load, a believer in God, was not allowed to stand by watching. That was against God's will. And we know that the coming kingdom in heaven is going to include animals and plants too. Environmental stewardship has caused us to deal more wisely, hasn't it, with plants and animals in the world. This commandment about life brings us to the reality that our quest For holiness includes being a good steward of all of life on this earth. Now, if men and women, if mankind, if we're the center of everything, then we're going to easily ignore other life and we'll experience the results of improper stewardship. But is man the center of everything? Or is God? Certainly God is. Are all living things subject to us like slaves? No, they're creatures of God, and so are we. Not that other living things are at the same level as human beings, and we have to avoid that extreme, and you see it out there, of elevating other creatures as if they are just as valuable in God's sight As people are. That's not what we're saying. Saving whales and saving babies are two very, very, very different things. But all life around us is created by God, and God as creator has delegated us to use the earth, not to abuse it, to care for and cultivate the land, not misuse his creation. Do you remember the movie Avatar? Did some of you see it last year? Big movie, biggest grossing movie of all time. It had a lot sort of underlying it, but it was very obvious. It was sending a message about life and the environment. And what that movie did incorrectly was present two options, two extremes, when we think about creation and life. On the one side, the one extreme was Creation is holy and divine and sacred, and we have to respect it. The other side of it was that there are people who want to develop and strip and destroy life. But there's a balance. Creation is special, and we are to treat it as created by God, but it's not holy. It's not sacred. It's not divine. And correct, people may not abuse creation, but we are called to use it. It is for us. It is for mankind. The biblical and reformed balance and way is stewardship of creation. It's recognizing that God is the creator and that we have rule and reign only under him. Second. This commandment is not only about reverence for all of life, it's about reverence for human life. That's especially the focus. We're told here, do not murder. That's different than do not kill. There is such a thing as just war. We read it, the government is armed with the sword. Killing an enemy soldier in a just war, fighting for your country, that's not murder and it's not against the sixth commandment. There may also be instances, and this would be rare, but it's possible where someone would need to be killed out of self-defense. That's not murder. Some, you know, some Christians over the centuries have been, and there are today Christians who are pacifists, and they, they believe any sort of killing is against the sixth commandment. But most Christians believe that in war and self-defense, that's not, that's not murder. You know, in the late '60s and early '70s, there are any number of Christians who are who are pacifists, and uh, there's one of them, and this is a true story a relation of mine, not close relation, not my mother or father or Sarah's mother and father, but one of these Christian pacifists asked for a girl's hand in marriage. Now, the mother of the woman knew of this guy's pacifism and wanted to know before she allowed this guy to marry her daughter, whether he would fight to protect his wife and family if someone broke into the house one night and came after them. That made this guy stop and think a little bit about uh, how he looked at things. Self-defense, just war, not murder by most Christian standards. All wrongful killing is what this is about. And abortion, euthanasia, certainly all become part of the discussion. Even beyond, we saw it in the summary of this commandment, even beyond the actual death of a human life, this command brings us to everyday stuff, like belittling, insulting, hating someone. Doing those things with thoughts, words, looks, or gestures, as well as in our deeds, it's a violation of God's will for us. Jesus makes that really clear in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. Then we have a positive side of this commandment, too, about life. It calls us to love our neighbors, to protect them from harm as much as we can. And it takes it even a step further to do good, even to our enemies. That's all the positive side. There's preventative stuff, the positive. Romans 12, 10, 18 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. if it is possible. as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's interpretation and calling based on the Sixth Commandment. We're called to love our neighbor. Now, many of you are familiar with God's word. they're here tonight, I think ultimately, biblically speaking, you know everyone is our neighbor not just the people we like not just the people who are like us now we can't truly and really love six billion plus people if everyone's our neighbor so our call is to start where we are able we start with those closest to us those we rub shoulders with we love them even our enemies. For a believer, you want to be pro-life tonight. It means you're going to seek the good of everyone around you. If you want to be pro-life, it means you are seeking the good even of people you don't like, even people who rub you the wrong way, even of your enemies, people who are not seeking your good. That's what it means to be pro-life. Follow the sixth commandment. And this respect for human life, it extends to our own life. The Bible study starts out with this lesson one of the Heidelberg Catechism. I am not my own. I'm not my own. And where that's found in the Bible is 1 Corinthians six, nineteen and twenty. We read You were bought with a price, so honor God with your body. To harm ourselves or recklessly endanger ourselves, that's not having respect for life either. And we could talk about this all. I mean, we, that, that could include to endanger yourself, to harm yourself. That can include abusing alcohol, taking drugs, overeating, doing anything that you know harms you. The the deal with that is you are not Lord of your life. You're not the creator. Neither am I. God is. We belong to Him. We don't have the right to do anything but treat others and ourselves with the respect that go along with being a creature of the living God. One more one more thought tonight. And that is that the sixth commandment calls us to pur- a purposeful life. And living. We respect all life. We respect human life. We're also called to purposeful living. We don't respect and honor life just for life's sake, though that's a start. And if we can convince non believers to respect life because it's life, That would be better than not respecting life. That would be wonderful. And the reality is there there are many sort of upright citizens and people who seem to respect life to a certain degree. That's good. The point is there is much more than that for a believer. There's a greater reason and purpose to honoring life and respecting it. As one poet said, living is not life's greatest good. You hear that? Just living is not life's greatest good. Just living, just, I'm alive, hooray, hippie, yippee, you know, just living. That just existing, that's not where it's at. There's more. I, I, I was uh, re-watching last week one of my favorite television shows, And it's no longer on the air, but one of the main characters says this in the episode I was watching. And this is a great quote It's not enough to live. People need something to live for. Living isn't a goal in itself. Just ask anybody who's alive but has lost his or her sense of purpose. Just existing, just being alive isn't enough. People need a purpose in the meeting, and they need, and they need a real purpose, and they need the right purpose. You take a look at Charlie Sheen; he's living, and he's living with a purpose. He's living for himself. He's living for pleasure. I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. He says, but his his attitude and behavior. You know, as outrageous as that is, it shouldn't surprise us. That's human nature. That's any one of us without God's grace derailing, getting off track. The Bible, authored by the Creator of Life, tells us human life is designed for service to God and neighbor. That is where purpose will be found. And it's the only place to find lasting purpose. If you're just living, We're just getting by. That won't cut it. And if you're living for the wrong thing, the wrong purpose, that won't cut it ultimately either. But when you discover God's purpose for you, serving him, loving him and others, well, there, then you found it by God's grace. That's what it's about. That's what we're here as a church to lead people into discovering and being engaged in, bringing people to the cross the grace of God, and then we equip one another to live the Christian life passionately, vigorously for God's glory. Have you settled into just living? Are you living for yourself? Or are you living passionately for God and others? The Westminster Catechism says the chief goal of human beings is to glorify God and praise him forever. This is a night that's going to be filled with praise and worship. May our worship tonight inspire us and fill us to accomplish the purpose of all our living, loving God, loving our neighbor as ourself. And as a result, may that make us truly be a people of life.